Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Uh, here comes the winter. That's right. A little cool, a little drizzly, not quite the weather we had throughout the summer, but I guess, you know what? It's the change of the season. And speaking of change of the season, Halloween's coming up this week. I just wonder if everybody is set and ready. You know, it's always interesting because I, uh, I hear from a lot of people about Halloween and how they're starting to see some of their neighborhoods evolve and we're seeing more kids. You know, it's kind of a wave over a 10 year period you can watch neighborhoods they they grow up and some some years you have you know 150 kids showing up at the door and other years you have 20 so it's always that kind of evolution and new people coming in and uh, currently in my neighborhood we're starting to see a lot of younger kids coming up so I think we've got some new families that have moved in and that's one of the things about real estate you know we see real estate change hands and we see different different age groups coming into the neighborhood and it's always nice to rejuvenate it and of course see some of the crazy costumes that are out there and I wonder what the big one's going to be this year. I'm not sure that what we can expect. But what you can expect today, I've got two great guests that are going to be joining me. Uh, I've got Greg Bennell from B&M Bloomberg joining me. And uh, always a pleasure to have Greg on. And a little bit later in the hour, uh, Frank Leo is going to join me in the studio. And uh, you know Frank's name. Uh, you'll hear a lot of them here at News Talk 1010. But more importantly, uh, number one agent in the REMAX network worldwide uh, last year. Fabulous agent. But... Great perspective, and Frank and I are going to be talking a lot uh, about some uh, some issues that I've been talking here about the show. One of them is the the problem with getting rental apartments, or for that matter, talking about how we can have a solution, and it's a great solution. So. Uh, Mr. Ford, Mr. Tory, if you're tuning in this hour, I hope you do, obviously, every single week to Simply Real Estate. But we've got some great suggestions, and I would be happy to have you on the show and talk about it, because I think there is a solution, and it's immediate. This can happen. We could turn around within six months and have vacant units available to the entire public, and you're going to want to know more about this, because there is a solution, and I think that it's one that needs a good, hard look. But speaking about taking a good hard look at things uh, a lot of people are saying you know with the interest rates going up this week that things are getting a lot tighter it's all going to in fact have a adverse effect to the real estate market affordability is going by the wayside and the people that are coming up for renewal may have to uh, may have to consider on selling sooner than later because they might have overextended themselves and I hope you're not one of them I hope that you've been listening to the show long enough that you know one of the things I always tell people is don't buy the shiniest penny on the block you know buy something that needs a little bit of work build your equity and not strain yourself too far but lots of things that are going on in the market and the numbers coming out is uh, was interesting because just taking a look at some of the uh, some of the stats uh, was the fact that Mississauga um, looks like it's uh, it's it's kind of bottomed out on its way back up a little not huge amounts again when we start talking about market increases we may only talk about one and a half percent things like that but on the the it's uh, side by side. Uh, town there, Oakville, is uh, actually had a, still a little bit of a drop off. So it hasn't quite bottomed up, bottomed out. But if we start talking about some of the um, some of the houses in Toronto, you know, they're saying that major drops throughout Toronto and Vancouver. But one of the things that's happening is the the condo market is staying strong year over year. The condominium market nineteen percent increase. This is where we need to start getting concerned. When we start seeing 
double-digit increases. You know, we've already experienced that when we saw the huge run-up last year in detached homes. And it's kind of funny because the detached market has just cooled right off. Uh, the builders aren't pushing as much detached uh, product into the market. And right now, the big focus has been the condominium market. And uh, so it's been, uh, it's been quite interesting. Uh, speaking of markets and things that are going on, We've got our simple seminar coming up on November 22nd. That's a Thursday at 7 p.m. Our last one was a complete sellout. Uh, you don't pay anything, but we were completely full. Couldn't fit anybody else in. And uh, great discussions. And if you want to sign up, go to thesimpleinvestor.com. And uh, we talk a lot about things such as being a landlord, who makes the best tenant. Uh, we've still got uh, just a few left of our release in Tilsonburg, uh, two bedroom units starting at 129.9. So if you want to know more, go to our website website, thesimpleinvestor.com. Make sure you register for uh, for that seminar. It's uh, it's never a dull moment and uh, it's uh, it, it's a great time for uh, evening and I don't waste too much time on, you know, blibber blabber. We talk definitely about real estate and investment itself. Um, a couple other things, of course, is with the Bank of Canada, and I, I'm going to be talking in a minute with Greg Bennell about this, but with the increase of the quarter point, Right now, we're still seeing, you know, some, I would say, the banks start to increase it. But keep in mind, you can negotiate your rates. And some of the banks are going to get a little bit more aggressive with discounts. If not, they're going to start losing market share. And one of the places that people are starting to lose market share, and I'm going to talk to Greg about this, is the credit unions. Uh, they they don't have the same guidelines for stress tests. And we're finding that the credit unions and some of the trust companies are actually offering some decent rates for mortgages. And so we've got lots to talk about there. But again, one of the things that uh, the biggest part of the news is we're basically a zero vacancy rate on rentals right now. And this is making it tough for people to be able to end up renting a property. So without any further ado, I'm going to now talk to Greg Bennell. Welcome back to the show. Always a pleasure to have you on. Always and, great to be here. And you know, I got, I got to tell you, there. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is some interesting stuff that's going on right now in the marketplace. Um, you know, let's talk about the hottest part of the news this week, of course, you've been featuring it on your show, The Real Economy, 2 p.m. on BNN and Bloomberg. And uh, it is the fact that we had an interest rate hike this past week. And not only did we get the hike that we were expecting, suddenly the Bank of Canada, this is a this is a central bank speech, but they got more hawkish. That just means that people think, all right, not only did we get the hike that we were expecting this week, we're going to get more. They actually sort of laid out a, a, a framework, which they don't like to do at the Bank of Canada, but talked about getting back to what they call neutral. And neutral just means getting back to an interest rate that is somewhat normal, that it's not stimulating the economy anymore, but it's not tamping it down. And they put neutral roughly around 3% for their rate. So we still have to go 3 4 more hikes to get to that place. So it was a pretty clear signal out there to Canadians that the cost of borrowing, at least the Bank of Canada hopes, that they can get the cost of borrowing back to what they call a more normal rate. And they're headed there. And that means higher borrowing costs for us definitely through 2019 if they stick with that plan. Well, you know, interestingly enough, we, uh, we've been listening a little bit to some of the economists out there. Of course, Benjamin Tall is always good to listen to. And, you know, he, he had kind of predicted that there's going to be a couple of rate hikes. But at the same time, he's also cautioning the fact that depending on where the economy goes, because right now, you know, we've seen a lot of fluctuation in the stock market. In fact, it, it's, it's taken also a bit of a beating during the week. And so people are saying, listen, you know what, we're, we're kind of on that part where people are saying uh, interest rates are going up, they're trying to keep inflation. And now if 
the stock market does a big adjustment, do you see that kind of you know, maybe stop the Bank of Canada from raising rates? Yeah, the economists, I know Benjamin Tell and a few others, they're not as confident as the bank is. They don't think they can make it to three. I mean, we're at 1.75 right now. That is that bank key rate. They don't think the bank can make it to three. They don't think they're going to get all the way there before they realize that they either have to just stop or actually start to reverse because we start seeing an economic slowdown. Uh, one, of the, one of the best sort of pieces of analysis I saw when they, when they hiked the rate was basically now they have to watch how the consumer responds because so much of this economy in the past 10 years has been fueled by us buying houses, buying cars, you know, putting to work money to work in the economy. That's what they wanted. That's why they made the money cheap in the first place. We did exactly what they wanted us to do. And now we have this record debt load. And so they really have to watch carefully. If they take too much wind out of the sails of the economy with higher rates, they're going to have to recognize that they're doing some damage. Then they're going to have to put the brakes on. And, and you know, you said that they're going to keep their eye on this. Now, first and foremost, you know, we, we have a bunch of renewals of mortgages this year. Uh, normally rates, if somebody's locked it in, they've got about 90 days to pull the trigger to get it through. So basically, if we start looking at 2019, the renewals, this is where we're seeing the upward pressure on the rate. So anybody that has a 2019 renewal, they're going to have to start calculating out the higher cost of borrowing, of course. And if they if they still go with the variable rate, you know, they're still keeping it down kind of on the lower side. But, you know, you and I both know upward pressure, variable rate floats with with what the prime is. So it's going to make it a little bit tougher for people to keep keep thinking that they're going to uh, going to keep their their payment the same or. If for that matter, you know, how much can they afford? Yeah, it's such an important time now to actually go back and look at your numbers and look at your assumptions because you might have a bit of a runway. I think, <laughs> here am I telling people, I'll go look at your numbers. I'm pretty sure it was two years ago that I signed my five years. So I've got, I've got a three-year runway, but I should do the math as well and say, well, if I project it and the Bank of Canada thinks they can get there in that amount of time, what does it mean for me at renewal time? Uh, at the same time, when you talk to people about those stress tests, and you and I have talked about this a lot this year, a lot of people who are in the mortgage business have told me they didn't think it was a bad idea. They just think it was way too late in the game. The horse had left the barn. They were closing the door now because you wouldn't be as worried. You're coming up in renewal time and say, well, these people got stress tested years ago. They can handle an extra 200 basis points. They didn't start getting stress tested early this year. So that's why some people start to worry how many people have just gone right to the edge and now in a higher rate environment, they say, I can't carry that house anymore. Well, that was the thing. And when you say edge, you know, it's interesting that you put it that way because we had we had the edge March 2017, you know, people that were buying at that time, huge run up, big prices, had to get the market, you know, didn't want to lose, didn't want to miss out. We've got those those uh, people that were doing a little speculative play. Um, you know, they were buying brand new condos, you know, a year, maybe two years ago. The stress test wasn't in play. And now, you know, because a lot of banks won't hold an interest rate that long, if we start looking at the builders closing two years from now because you know your typical you don't know, buy uh, you know uh, the, the sell cycle and and completion of work you can look anywhere between three and four years on a condominium there's we've got some people that are going to be feeling some uh, some pretty tough pressure to be able to close these units you talk to some young people who are on the other end of this discussion and they'll they seem to welcome the fact that what if prices come down even more the market's cooled substantially if the market comes down even more maybe it'll be at a price point where they can get in. Now, obviously, a headline number on a house that's much cheaper than it is today might make that generation say, good, I can get into the housing market. But I think of the economic damage that would have to surround a collapse in housing prices. And I know it, it sounds lucrative at first for the young people to say, I hope those prices collapse, I can get into the market. But the amount of economic damage, collateral damage that would 
come with that kind of thing, both sort of as a catalyst for prices to collapse that way, and then what would happen to the construction and the real estate industry on the other end of it might not be great for the economy. Yeah, good point. And listen, we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, um, folks, I've got more with Greg Vanell from BNN Bloomberg. So stay with us. We'll be right back. And welcome back. My guest right now is Greg Vanell. You've heard him here, oh, lots of times on the show. But more importantly, you can catch his show on the BNN Bloomberg network at 2 p.m., The Real Economy. And Greg, just before the break, you and I were talking about some wishful, hopeful thinking for, I'll call it the younger generation. Maybe we'll call it the first-time buyers um, because it's not always you know, an age, it's more coming into the market for the first place, uh, for the first time. And and more importantly, the fact that, you know, a lot of people are hoping that the market does a big adjustment. But as you and I, you know, both know, looking at the market, there's only so much of a market that can adjust before it becomes detrimental to the economy overall. You think about the economic strength and what's carried the economy in the past decade. It's been spending, it's been real estate because of the cheap money. Not saying that was a great thing because now we've been left with record debt loads. And I really feel for that generation that's trying to get into the housing market. I, I took a look at, uh, and I couldn't believe it's been 16 years since I first got into the housing market, but I looked at the place that I bought and what I bought it for and what my salary was at the time. Now, I used to work at the National Wire Service, and so I know what someone in my position 16 years later makes today compared to what I made in 2002. Their salary has gone up, yeah, a little bit. And that condo that I bought when I watched that neighborhood, it has tripled. It has gone up four times. So you really feel for those people. But on the other end of it, if your hope is that you see a collapse back to 2002 prices, the amount of damage that would do to the economy overall, it it wouldn't just be about real estate. I don't think it would be wishful thinking to think you could contain that kind of a price pullback just to the housing market and say, well, you know, the houses are more affordable again. Let's buy a house. It, it would just have this cascading effect across the economy, considering how important real estate is. We we sort of find ourselves in a bit of a pickle now, don't we? We made yeah. money cheap, <laughs> and we had to make it cheap sure. to, to prop up the economy. That's what they wanted us to do. They wanted us to spend. We did spend, and now we're in a real tight place. Yeah, and the other part also is that when we talk about builders, okay, and if all of a sudden you had a massive drop in value, the number of cancellation of units that would be coming into the market would be catastrophic because right now overall in the GTA, let's say there's probably an application in for about over 200,000 units in total to be constructed over the next five to 10 years. If we take a look at that and all of a sudden the builders realize that, listen, people aren't going to close, they can't buy at the current level of price. Basically, we can't pull back too much on labor costs. All of a sudden, that cascading effect, and that's been a big driver, both from a renovation standpoint and brand new construction. This has been one of the biggest drivers in Canada's economy over the last 10 years. If you had that mass pullout, I mean, as you said, from not just from a real estate perspective, but the economy itself would be basically recession, depression kind of crash. And that's the kind of thing that the Bank of Canada doesn't want to see any policymakers. The answer are not easy and the answers are tough on this file as to how do you get people in if they want to become buyers, how do they get in the market without putting themselves in a house poor situation where a rising rate environment really knocks them off course. I imagine the young people listening to our conversation right now say, oh, I'm listening to the two guys in their late 40s, early 50s, they got real estate, they're all about their equity, they don't want to see the prices come down. Uh, truthfully, I don't worry all that much about the equity. I know what I bought the house that I'm currently in right now 11 years ago. Uh, I know how much money I put down and that you know I'm in a good situation in terms of that equity. But if it went back a 100000 
I wouldn't get all that worked up. It's all just on paper. It's up and down. Right. I and you're on, not going to sell it anyway. I plan on living in that house until uh, I get pushed out of that house. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> I was just going to say, the, the fact is, is that, as you said, it's paper value and it's not something that you have to sell. So, you know, that's one of the things that I think people should realize and and, and probably really good advice to sellers. That and, and I think this is one of the reasons why, you know, we don't see as many houses moving right now or people coming to market because, you know, they saw this huge run up and they thought, okay, if that's my value, March 2017, if that was my value. That's that's the price I want. Now they go backwards by two hundred thousand. They say, yeah, but my value is down two hundred thousand. And they think in their minds that maybe one day they'll get that two hundred thousand dollars back. I want to tell most people that okay not in a very long time and maybe not for another entire real estate cycle can you expect that price again because these are all these are all cycles that we go through and you know the cycles are getting longer and longer i don't know if you've noticed that but these cycles actually you know we the run up on our real estate market we shouldn't have run so long it should have had you know either a, a cooling off period or even a, a drawback but these cycles seem to be getting longer and again you know you've got all sorts of other economies that are having an effect to it that was what was so strange about this economic recovery after the, the financial crisis in 2008. It has taken so long to get back to what we consider now to be an economy that's humming, but we don't have the interest rates back to what anyone would consider a normal rate. And I think part of what's happening with the Bank of Canada, because some people are questioning, why would you be so aggressive with rate hikes, considering how much debt we're carrying, the damage you can do to the consumers of the housing market? But I think the Bank of Canada has to try to get back to some normal level of interest rate, of borrowing costs before the next recession comes. No one wants to see the next recession, but they're cyclical. Like you said, the cycle's been playing out, dragging itself out in a very strange way, but it's going to come again. And the Bank of Canada needs that dry powder to try to, again to, to combat the effects of a recession. So people are saying, why are you increasing my cost of borrowing? This isn't smart. The Bank of Canada is very live to the issues that we're facing as people holding debt. At the same time, if you can't get that rate back to some sort of normal space, what do you do the next recession when you're, when you're trying to cut them back down again? So any solutions that you can come up with? I mean, you, you talked to all the economists. Are, are, is, is there some hope for us or are we, are we just going to watch, uh, watch things go down the proverbial toilet? I mean, I mean, another recession will come. The true test will be, and, I, and this is what I believe in. People talk about, well, arrears are low, uh, delinquencies. People are keeping up with their debt obligations. I think Canadians overall... As long as you're employed and you have work, you're going you're gonna to make good on your debt. I think we do that as Canadians. Uh, the real test is going to be in a recession when the jobless rate goes up and people just don't have the money. People don't want to lose their houses. The, the whole idea of the jingle mail and everything that happened in the States. I, I truly believe Canadians want to make good on that debt. Some have been careless. I think the majority have just dealt with, you know, dealt with the hand that they've been given in terms of this is what it costs to be in the market. And, that, and that's going to be the real test. And you have to think that the, the government and the policymakers and on um, the other side, the Bank of Canada, they're going to try to be reactive to all this because they don't want to see the economy go down the tubes either. Yeah, I think one of the things, and, and, and we'll wait and see what the provincial government does about it, but is obviously supply and demand right now. We are in short supply of rental properties. Uh, you know, we can talk about, uh, you know, first-time homebuyers looking for a property saying affordability, but I think our biggest issue right now is the, the fact that we are lacking in rental properties, more importantly. Yeah, there's no option. You, t you tell these young people, okay, you can't afford to buy a home, at least not at the age that I bought my home, and definitely not the age that my dad bought his first home, which would have been you know, s several years before I did. So go and rent a place, and then there's no place to rent, and the rents are getting out of control. The stories about lineups, applications to get in, 
and then uh, bidding wars for rent. Yeah, so there, there's some real policy moves that those levels of government, the province, the cities can make in terms of open up the land. We know that there's land that's owned by the province, the land that's owned by the city. Opening it up, rezone it, get the paperwork in order and get them built around transit hubs. Young people want mobility, they want to move around, maybe they don't want to have a car in the city. You have to be able to move them between work, between whatever the other things they do in their life. And so so there's, a lot of, there's a lot of opportunities out there if the political will can actually remain and they can actually get things moving. Yeah. Um, and one of the things, Greg, just so you know, I'm talking later on in the show with Frank Leo is my suggestion that I made a couple of weeks ago is the fact that I believe that basement apartment rentals um, could be a solution for a lot of municipalities and the legalization of it's going to be very important because you could add inventory immediately into the marketplace. But I'm going to talk later about uh, to Frank about that. But listen, Greg, always a pleasure having you on the show. Uh, just for our listeners' sake, 2 p.m. weekdays, The Real Economy on BNN Bloomberg. They can catch you. You are the host there. So Thanks again for coming on the show. Oh, I always love being here, Todd. Great. Thanks so much. That, folks, that was Greg Bennell. So stay with me. When I come back, I've got Frank Leo from Remax joining me. So we'll be right back after this. And welcome back. My guest in the studio now is Mr. Frank Leo. And you know his name. Uh, top top Remax agent uh, in the world. Is that right? Yes, last year I was uh, fortunate enough to be the number one agent in the world. Congratulations. That takes a heck of a lot of work. And thanks for joining me again. You know, you've been on the show a couple times with me. Frank, always a pleasure. Uh, it's kind of funny. Uh, last time we talked, obviously, you know, uh, governments changing, new provincial government, all sorts of stuff floating in the ether. Uh, you and I have got a lot to talk about today. And uh, I thought I would just start off with uh, this week, interest rates. Uh, you know, as, as realtors, we're always very, very conscious of interest rates because, you know, it either tightens up our buyers or, you know, sometimes makes sellers stay put. Uh, what do you think? Well, you know, they're going up. Uh, it's a testament to the economy being strong. And that's what the government's telling us. And it's, um, it's expected because where we were at with our current interest rates is ridiculously low. And historically speaking, um, it doesn't make any, any sense. You know, long term, the average uh, rate should be around 6%. So, uh, we had a great time in terms of interest rates being low, but we have to expect them to be a little bit higher. You know, you just uh, you just mentioned a number there, and I'm pretty sure a lot of our listeners all of a sudden had this, you know, feeling in the pit of their stomach, 6%. Uh, again, people are still being able to lock in a five-year rate just below 4% right now. Uh, the, you know, a lot of people are coming off the rates of 2.5%, the idea of doubling it. Um, right now, stress test rate through the economy is saying that if we hit 45 almost 5%, we're going to start seeing default. And, you know, as realtors, you and I have talked about, you know, in the past, you know, there was years of big power sales coming out. And remember, if you remember, Absolutely, you know, a yes. lot of the ads, it's like power sales, <laughs> everybody's jumping in. We haven't seen those in there no, quite a no. few years. Not and we don't want to see them either. No, but, you know, our, you know, basically, Based on the numbers, there there are people that, you know, they may not be able to handle, you know, another like a full point increase to their mortgages on renewal because they did stretch themselves. Of course, you know, I can talk about the stress test in a minute, but, you know, the numbers, the numbers aren't going to lie. There are people that are, you know, another percent on mortgages. It, it's going to start hurt. It's going to hurt. Uh, and, um, you know, we have to be proactive to help people. And the way you help people is 
understanding that there may be more costs is to help keep the economy as buoyant and, and, and going strong as possible. So as long as you have employment, you manage. Uh, you know, people should understand that they should have a buffer in there because of unexpected incidences of costs for their car breaking down or something needed to be done. Um, I mean, people should know that they shouldn't really stretch to their maximum. But there are other solutions out there. Uh, we were uh, off, off air yeah. discussing some of the things, and we can touch on those maybe a little bit later. Uh, people have to understand that the interest rates are going up because that is economically uh, where you want economies to be. Uh, with a, a growth rate of uh, 3 to 6% is normal, and interest rates have to fall in line with that. Historically, this is very low. It should get back to normal. Once again, it's not that we're going to somewhere we shouldn't be going. Or we, it's, it's unexpected. We should not be expecting these low rates to last for long. Okay. So, you know, here's, here's the thing though. So let's talk about the market for a second, because again, you know, you're, you're, you're front and center to it. You know, we've seen obviously sales have dropped this year and I'm not going to talk much about price because right now, uh, based on some of the reports, you know, there was a little bit of a blip up, you know, kind of stabilized. Like we're not, we're not seeing massive decreases anymore. You know, a little bit of an upturn, you know, even if it's 1%, it's better than, you know, a negative 10%, obviously, but, um, sheer volume is going to come in a heck of a lot lower than what we've seen for the last, you know, 2017, 2016, 2015. In fact, um, I think we are going to go all the way back to 2010. Uh, this year forecast right now on the Toronto Real Estate Board should be sitting around 82,000 units being exchanged. That's a that's a, a far cry from the 116 that they peaked out at uh, a year and a half ago. And so if we if we take a look at the big numbers, um, you know. Should people, if they're in fear of these interest rates, should they start thinking downsizing now instead of later? Well, if they are concerned about being able to carry the cost of an extra interest rate point, yes, they should definitely put themselves in a position where they're not strapped against the wall and they have no choice, but uh, they can't pay it. Uh, real estate takes a little bit longer than you know selling uh, something smaller. Um, you have to count for you know three to six months to make the transition so you should plan ahead and if you're really that tight get out while you still can feel comfortable doing so and put yourself in a position that's gonna be comfortable yeah you know because right now if we if we take a look at it uh, you know so we've, we've got a quarter point increase they're saying that chances are beginning of 2019 we're see, gonna see another quarter point if people are coming up time for their renewal there will be those people that will take variable because right now it still remains the cheapest option um, not always if we look at variable for the next five years will it potentially be if you can lock in you know if you can get three eight today you know, will variable eventually be there? Could be, you know, we're not 100% sure. But the reality is, is that, you know, if if people are looking at a renewal, let's say within a year, and they're, they're, they're concerned because they're looking at their numbers saying, hey, listen, this, if we have to pay these new mortgage rates, is it better for them to turn around and reach out to somebody like yourself and say, hey, where do we sit from an equitable standpoint? Because I think that people have to realize that, if there is an onslaught of people that have to get rid of properties because they can no longer afford them, that's not always good for the economy. It's better to, you know, sometimes cut your losses early and step back. Because again, you know, you and I had that conversation. You've had a couple of people pulling out their hair. They kind of, they kind of put the cart before the horse, bought a bunch of, you know, potential properties, and now values aren't quite where they were hoping. A lot of people bought, um, you know, 
trying to buy investment properties, speculation that they wanted to, you know, assign the paperwork before they sold. And, and now, uh, as it turns out, the prices aren't as strong as they hoped they would be. And they have to close on them and they don't have the resources to do it. And so now they're in trouble. And so I hate to hear things like that because, you know, that hurts people who are hardworking. And, but then again, they, you know, when you do make an investment, you got to have the resources to back it up. And if you're doing it on a, on a, on a weak foundation, you're going to have problems. Well, you know, we, we also talked uh, before about the stress test. And so there was a lot of these people that committed to these, I'll call them new condo developments, because this is where we saw a lot of people jumping into the, you know, I want to be an investor. And now with the stress test, they don't qualify. And, you know, this is this is kind of put a buffer, you know, between people that are trying to even own investment properties, because now, you know, they thought they could qualify for the $500,000 investment property. And now the bank is saying, sorry, <laughs> that's not the case. That happened. And once again, you know, um, it, it puts a strain on, on people's uh, finances and uh, the difficulty in closing because of the changes in the in the playing field, which is unfair uh, to the to the investor. I think that that uh, shouldn't happen. They should have uh, approvals for when they buy the property, and that should be go up until the closing and, and maintain based on when they bought. Um, banks are obviously looking out to protect themselves with the stress test. I think it's a good thing that uh, people uh, have that in, uh, that in place so that if the rates go up, you're already prepared for it financially. So I like that. The fact that less people can afford as high uh, a price on a property that does affect the, the real estate values today up front. But imagine if there was a, a bump in interest rates and they couldn't afford it and they all had to sell. That would also affect the real estate value. So it's better to be proactive in that regard to help people at least be aware that that could happen. At least they get mentally uh, uh, and economically um, in a situation where they can, they can, they can adapt. Yeah. I, again, I think I think there's there, there's positive and negatives to all things. You know, obviously we've got people that are saying, "Hey, you know, I can no longer afford a property." But normally, most people have that knee jerk reaction. They always go to their maximum. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah. You know, it's, instead of instead of you know a buyer sitting there saying, "Well, the bank says I can get this," um, so that's what they're going to take. They try to max it out. It's very rare that you see that cautious person that says, "No, I'm going to go thirty percent less than what the bank tells me I can get." That's a product of our society. I think that everybody's uh, into a, a, a me. I want instant gratification, and that's the problem. So, uh, yes, we need some more uh, financial um, acumen uh, when you're doing something. That's, uh, you know, think of real estate as an investment, not only a place to live. And, and sometimes by being more conservative initially, by being able to live comfortably and pay it off and, and build equity, then your second or third move should be your ideal property. Yeah, I like. I really like that idea, um, Frank. Always, uh, always great to have you on. I hope that you can stay put. Um, we're going to go to a quick break, but I do want to talk to you about some solutions for housing. Okay, you and I have had a great discussion about it, and um, there's a lot of other things that I think we need to talk about. Uh, I also want to talk to you about the legalization of cannabis and how you think that's going to affect home sales. So, um, folks, I'm going to be right back with Frank Leo from Remax. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, my guest in the studio today is Mr. Frank Leo from Remax. You've heard the name here. Uh, you know, call Frank and start packing. Um, Frank, you know, always a pleasure to have you on. And not just because, you know, you're the top Remax agent. Uh, more importantly is because cause just your, your, your wealth of knowledge. And you and I always have a great time having a chat about real estate. Obviously, one of our favorite topics. Always. <laughs> pleasure. Um, now, I want to talk to you about a couple of things that have obviously kind of evolved and changed. Uh, 
uh, first and foremost, you know, uh, I can remember back in the day, um, I sold, I used to sell a lot of the the, the, the grow ops for the lending institutions when they would, uh, when they go power sale. And of course, that has a huge stigma about it. And one of the things that people are struggling with, and of course, Rico sent out, uh, sent out the letter to all of us, you know, as far as disclose, disclose, disclose. What do you think about the legalization of, uh, of cannabis? Well, from a real estate perspective, I think that um, it, it, it uh, normalizes the, the fact that cab- cannabis is legal now. Um, the stigma, I think, is not the same, and, and, and so I don't think that stigma applies anymore. I do always uh, look at the home from a health perspective and a safety perspective. So, I mean, I think a home should be based on if they have any mold issues or any electrical problems. That's something you have to uh, remedy, disclose, et cetera. But now that everyone can have four plants uh, grown, uh, but whether it's cannabis or tomatoes, I mean, you know, there's still four plants. I was just going to say, yeah, yeah. I don't think that's going to be a health factor if, if they're just raised normally. I mean, if somebody's trying to grow, you know, a, a lot of plants indoors, regardless of what they are, the humidity levels will cause mold. And mold is the issue. It's not what they're growing. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad you said that because, of course, a lot of people have, you know, hopped on the bandwagon saying, you know, oh, they're all going to become grow-ups. You know, lenders are going to have problems with this. And now, and then to the point where, you know, if, if, it is, if people are aware that, let's say, there's been four plants grown in a home, does that now mean that you need to do a clean air study? Because this is normally when you, when you demold a property, you have to do a clean air report to find out, you know, are there any mold spores? What is the level that is, is acceptable? So does this mean that if somebody's going to, you know, actually grow marijuana in their house, if they go to sell it, should they get a clean air report in advance of this? Well, I don't think it has anything to do with marijuana. I think it has to do with plants. I mean, yep. you know, every home that I go into has a plant or two there. So it's not an issue. I mean, if there's, if there's a mold problem, there's a mold problem. You know, if it's fixed and there's no mold problem, if there's no, you know, if there's a leak in your, in your roof and, and then you fix it, there's no longer a leak in your roof. So if the home is solid and there's no issues with it, any bank should be able to finance it. The stigma is gone. And it's no longer anything that I think anyone should be concerned with because it's legal. Yeah, no, I think that's great advice. Um, and my, my piece of advice on this is uh, just don't grow anything in your house. Just use plastic plants. They, they last longer. <laughs> so I, have, I do not have a green thumb. That's the one thing I don't have. So, you know, there's no, no worry about me growing anything, period. Um, so uh, a couple of things, though. You know, one of, one of the things, again, uh, Ontario Real Estate Association um, is trying to get the government to get involved, obviously, to... I I think free up some homes, maybe make things a little bit uh, more cost-effective. One of the one of the big, uh, I think, hurdles that you and I have discussed, obviously, is the double land transfer tax in Toronto. You know, to me, I I, I didn't think it was quite the hurdle. You have uh, you've got a very good, strong opinion about it, and so you know, how about you enlighten our our listeners to that? Well, I think if Todd ran for office, I would vote for him because our conversation was very enlightening, and I think that uh, without uh, really putting a burden on, on, on the public as a whole, we can solve a lot of these problems. And I think the biggest problem that we have is now availability of, of units or space for people to live in. And so uh, we heard uh, the new mayor or the re- re-elected mayor of Toronto yep. saying that he's trying to build uh, more rental properties. That's fantastic, right? But we were discussing earlier uh, a way that we can help the real estate market with supply immediately at no real cost to the government and that is simply by legalizing 
basement apartments and not just in Toronto but the GTA so the outskirts as well because if we can legalize it a couple of things happen we have immediate units available across the GTA maybe a hundred thousand just uh, as, a, as a round number of possibly more yep now with those units being legal you also can have certain requirements of safety so you have people making sure that you know it's fire retardant there's a exits properly done the electrical is done and you have so work created in in making not a lot of work per unit but those units now they're legal but they're also safe and so work has been created so you're you're making the economy move yeah so if you have those units all supply is there the second thing that you have is also people who can't afford and we have these issues of interest rates going up now they can rent out their unit and now they can afford their property and not have to lose it or people who are retiring who can't afford where they're living anymore because the you know, taxes and the cost of carrying a home are too much, and so they want to stay in their home. They can rent it out and, and live there as well. So these are fantastic uh, uh, opportunities to create uh, living accommodations where you say there's a shortage. Yeah, you know, and, and when I was talking about that on, on my other show, one of the things that I think that's very important is the fact that when you have a non-registered basement apartment, so, you know, there are some allowances in downtown core Toronto, but, you know, more so on the outer, outer outskirts of the GTA where they do not, um, you know, they're not non, non-conforming, non-retrofit status. But here's the one problem, is that the bank also does not look at the income from that basement and, and you know, your, your idea that if we can get these things registered this is where that affordability factor comes in so you know the basic basement apartment today can rent anywhere from 800 to 1500 if we take a look at mortgage dollars even in today's rates you know we're looking at being able to carry an extra 150 to 300 thousand dollars worth of mortgage money based on that rent alone it's fantastic but you and I were talking a little bit earlier uh, off air about also ownership because you know we we, we, we have that idea and, and I've thrown it out into the ether. I haven't really gotten any response back. Maybe I'll call Mr. Ford. But um, the idea of now splitting title, I think would also allow people to buy into a form of ownership. So, you know, and, and you and I were talking about, you know, the idea, listen, there's bachelor places out there that are, you know, 400 square feet builders selling. Why not be able to split the title of a home and have the basement registered as an individual titled unit? Let somebody buy it. And, Great idea. You, you know, they're a thousand, they're a thousand square feet. And, you know, why not turn around and say, yeah, I own half a duplex. That's fantastic. And if you allow that, that duplexability, I mean, once again, you create jobs. You have to have install a separate meter. You have to make the appropriate um, you know, requirements for the suite to comply. So that's creating jobs, but it's also creating an affordable way of having home ownership. Yeah, and I'm hoping that uh, you know uh, Mr. Tory and Mr. Ford, uh, you know, tune in here every every Saturday at 3 p.m. Of course, to listen to these suggestions. And by the way, if you are, um, just remember, reach out to Frank and I. We'd be more than happy to be part of part of your your study group and, and give you some advice here. Yeah, but you know, in, in all seriousness, Frank, I'm I'm looking at it and saying. They do it already in the United States. You know, you can you can turn around and turn a house into its own living triplex, okay? And it doesn't have to have condominium title. It's just, you know, there there's a shared use agreement for expenses. And so as far as registration goes, um, 
it's an easy stamp for the government. You're solving, as you said, 100,000. I, I just think that you're being modest. I think there's way more well, than that. that. Absolutely. Yeah, there's way more than that. And then, because right now, as the government has suggested, and, and I'll throw it out as a suggestion, that they want to provide perhaps 6,000 units per year. Well, we both know that... Drop the, in the bucket. Yeah, <laughs> that's not even close. No. And, and if we're talking rental units, you know, the shortage, we are zero vacancy rate, basically. I mean, I think it's 0.1%. I agree, but the, the big question here, this is the big question, and you have to ask yourself, what is this going to cost the government? And the answer is zero. So is there a better solution that doesn't cost anything? No, and, and that's what you want. The other thing that I, we discussed off air, but I would like to bring it up if I can, is the, the disincentive to make a move. I mean, many people need to make a move because uh, of a job situation, of having a child, uh, of the kids moving out, and they have to make a move. And one of the reasons we have lower inventory, believe it or not, is because of these, these extra costs involved in a home. And land transfer tax is a huge, huge cost. Now, I understand that the government needs revenue, and, and revenue is key. You know, what's happening today is parents are helping their children by giving them money for a down payment, for helping them out. And as a parent myself, you know, obviously I would like to do that. But can we not all, as a society, all of Ontario, help our children out, help these youngsters out and give them an opportunity? And instead of taking money out of every transaction, and, and in Toronto, that's, that's a lot of money. On a, on a property that's a million dollars, the government takes $33,000. And if it's sold tomorrow to someone else, another $33,000. Now, that's not helping the economy in any way. That's just taxing, taking money out of homeowners. And so that's why they're not buying as many properties. So if they, instead of taxing the few people, the 80,000 80, people that make a move, if everybody in Ontario, their taxes went up 20 or $50 to give the revenue to the Ontario government, to the uh, Toronto government, um, and now what happens is it's not going to be that much for each of us to pay that extra $50 on our taxes. The government gets the revenue. But now the people buying and selling are now more free to do it without losing that equity every time they make a move. Yeah, no, listen, I, I, I agree with your, your suggestion there. I know, again, Tim Hudak, CEO of ARIA, is you know, he's spearheading the charge that you know, he, he's in 100% agreement with you on the fact that you know land transfer tax are is a big nut especially coming into the toronto market so um so it looks like the year's going to finish out pretty well uh you know uh, i think we've got a more stable market do you uh, you know you're you're on the ground running with it um are, are you still seeing uh, units move we're, we're we keep busy i mean you know the thing about real estate is not something voluntary you know being homeless is not really an option so we're helping people who need to make moves and and there's for various reasons they're they're getting married they're having children they're moving uh, location uh jobs so they have to make a move they and we're here to help them so we're seeing activity it doesn't stop toronto is is a market that uh is uh is, is an international market we never really see a slowdown. Maybe one day a year we have a little bit of a lull, uh, you know, <laughs> Christmas or something. But aside from that, you know, we, we, we are always active. Excellent. Well, listen, Frank, always a pleasure having you on the show. Uh, best way for our listeners to reach you? Uh, 
Go to my website, getleo.com, if you have any questions. Uh, you know, always a pleasure to meet with Todd. He's uh, very informative and uh, a pleasure to be on your show. Yeah, excellent. Thanks so much. Folks, that was Frank Leo from Remax. Um, always great having him on. And uh, I also want to thank Greg Bennell from BNN Bloomberg. Uh, I want to thank Ian and Andre. They keep it simple for me every single week here. And thank you for tuning in. Remember, I'm back next Saturday at 3 p.m. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.